Hello, everyone. Welcome to the GameLink Podcast. I'm your host, Lebby. And of course, as always, I'm here with my friend, Elmer. Heyo! <laughs> Today, um, we're going to be talking about Tomb Raider. Um, of course, the movie starring Angelina Jolie. Um, but first, uh, what were you up to this week, Elmer? How was your week? My week was fine enough. Uh, you know, full work week and stuff like that, so days kind of rolling into days and whatnot but uh yeah no uh, your average dave upon broker probably yours my <laughs> hr representative friend uh it, it was it was pretty good i um i just did adult things like went to a doctor appointment and stuff but i uh i had some time to play some final fantasy 14 and gosh what did i watch i watched I watched something that I thought you would enjoy. Oh, oh, that's what it was. Uh, Zach Stone is going to be famous, starring Bo Burnham. Um, I watched that this week, and it was... Uh, it was at times a little slow, but um, overall hilarious. If you like Bo Burnham, you got to check it out. Well, my question was going to be, with your checkup at the doctor, whether or not you got poked in the ass, and then considering you said you played Final Fantasy XV and watched a Bull Burnham movie, uh, yes, I would say you did get a good old, <laughs> good old fashioned finger up the poop shoot. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. Um, like I said, it wasn't always like a, a romp and a riot, but it was always like just enough ridiculous stuff, like Bo Burnham stuff happening, where I really enjoyed it. Um, enjoyable burn. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Did I do anything else? I I built a couple of keyboards for my partner and I. That is right. Uh, which this is one of them here. Um, <laughs> I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, but yeah, other than that, yeah, it's just been it's just been real busy at work lately. Just trying to finish up all the tasks. For the end of the year and, and start 2022 off on the right foot. So hopefully in the next few weeks, I will have a little bit more free time. So, um, yeah, but anyway, uh, Tomb Raider, um, I guess I want to start off before I start talking about the game. I do want to mention that uh, this is um, whoop, almost dropped my laptop there. This is a movie that I watched often as a as a kid, and um, I think especially my my mom was a fan of this movie, so I watched it a few times growing up, and I was kind of excited to watch it again today because it's been well over a decade. Um, but yeah, we'll get into my my thoughts and feelings on it a little bit later. Uh, one second here. I just gotta do something. Who's oh, on here tonight? Oh. Yeah, we got some. We got some people in chat that I really need to give some attention to. Well, hey, if they're in chat and they're watching us right now, <clears throat> let's see if I can get this uh, not buttoned up a little <laughs> bit higher. My midgets being at the boss of the yard. Damn mad, they're better than yours. People that are not watching this, get your ass on the fucking YouTube after the fact. <laughs> yeah, uh, for all you audio listeners, uh, I apologize that you're not seeing this, but tonight, Elmer and I are in costume. Somebody said, hey, wouldn't it be fun if we all dressed as the 
sexiest archaeologist possible or of our childhood. And uh, <laughs> apparently we had two different trains of thought on that. Um, he is currently sitting next to me dressed as Indiana Jones, Copacabana style. And <laughs> I am currently sporting an OG uh, Lara Croft costume. And um, I feel slightly betrayed. <laughs> simultaneously we don't know which of the two of us is gayer right now yeah yeah and it's like technically i guess we're both right but in our own ways it is just as gay as the other it's even more right then <laughs> it's so wrong it's right <laughs> um so yeah let me get into the game here uh gotta give someone else little bit of love here mm. all right um so tomb raider um tomb raider started out as a video game series of course it's turned into a lot more than that by this point um it was created by a british company called core design which um they were formerly owned by idos interactive which is kind of convenient that that comes up two episodes in a row um, and then it was later owned by Square Enix Europe when they bought Eidos out. Um, so the franchise, uh, it focuses on a British archaeologist named Lara Croft. Sorry. Lara Croft. <laughs> Lara Croft. Lara Croft. <laughs> Sorry, I showed up a We Hate Movies episode on the correct pronunciation of Lara Croft before we started. So we we're both still going Lara Croft to each other. Yeah, it's great. Um, so she uh, she travels the world searching for lost artifacts and treasure um, in tunes and ruins. Uh, she's part of a rich family, but is uh, very intelligent, athletic, and fluid in multi multiple languages. Um, she's determined to fulfill her goals at any cost. So there's like a lot of action and exploration and puzzle solving and stuff in these games. Um, which kind of made it really popular. Um, the game released in 1996, but the development began in 1994. Um, and like I said earlier, it's kind of really convenient that we're talking uh, about an Eidos game again after Hitman last week. It's like in the mid to late 90s, Eidos was just really killing it. Yes, Elmer. So I'm trying to freak out anybody who's watching. It's making it seem like my set of screen is glitching out the entire time. No, continue. Um, so uh, the creator of Lara's character, Toby Gard, uh, he originally envisioned um, the main character as a man, but the uh, the company's co-founder, Jeremy Heath Smith, was worried that the character would be seen as an Indiana Jones ripoff. <laughs> um, so they swapped the gender. Um, but they still went through multiple revisions during development. Um, so that brings me to this this rumor. So if you aren't aware already, like the Laura Croft um, character design from the original Tomb Raider games, she has big triangle boobies, much like my friend Elmer here. Yes. Um, oh, and in. there's a rumor going around that the iconic cone boobs started out as a mistake during the design process. Um, whether that mistake was a slip of the mouse or a mistype, um, 
The popular story is that there was a typo which made her breast size 150% instead of 100%. But unfortunately, this isn't true. Mm. Sorry to break it to you, Elmer. Um, Toby Gard, uh, Lara's character developer or uh, creator, he did make a joke about this idea in an interview in 1997, which is how the rumor became even more popular. Um, the interview was with a fashion magazine called The Face, and uh, he the was... The Face or On The Face? <laughs> the Face, Elmer. Oh. Um, he was asked about Laura's unfeasibly large knockers. Uh, gosh, the 90s were great. <laughs> no, they weren't, but here, yeah, in hindsight, that's fucking hilarious. Um, so... Guard's reply was uh, kind of like mockingly this foundation for this accidental story. Um, but 24 years later, he was interviewed again, and he said, of course, it was all a joke. Um, indeed, the answers from that interview, which was one of my first interviews, they were all entirely flippant. I tried to make them all so ludicrous that no one would believe them. I mean, there are undo functions, right? So even at the time, I thought the it was outrageous that an interviewer would be asking questions about boobs, and I didn't think that it dignified a proper answer. But of course, I didn't know at the time that sarcasm doesn't read well on a page, and so that and other insane statements from that interview became enduring myths. Well, also, pal, you're British, and last time I checked, the British, <laughs> it's hard to understand whether they're being sarcastic or not. So yes. you know what? sarcasm it's is still not on you there pal you. yeah <laughs> so yeah I, I i had definitely heard that rumor for a long time but turns out it's not true which is kind of sad because it is pretty funny <laughs> but still at the same time you look at those things you're like people masturbated in that back in the past <laughs> um i mean are you really surprised like people will do anything to anything. Yeah, I know. We grew I up mean, during the Pokemon generation. Yeah, that people will masturbate to. Have anything. you seen the green M and M? Like seriously, <sighs> they gotta they gotta do what they can to make anything sell. I hate that both one you're able to make that reference, <laughs> and two not only do I understand it, I know exactly that <laughs> someone out there is definitely doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, anyway, back to the game. <laughs> um, it uses its own get game engine that they created for Tomb Raider. Um, because other game engines at the time that were available in 1994, they weren't really anything special. Um, and this was one of the earlier 3D games. So at the time, most 3D games were, um, like shooters, like Doom and stuff. And so they really wanted to bring representation to other genres. Um, but being 3D made it hard to implement things like AI and camera control, which, um, the camera control especially is kind of like a weak point in the first game. Um, but one great thing they did is, um, they had multi-layered levels, uh, which other equivalent games at the time only had single floor levels. Um, so this really helped like Lara's movement, like, you know, going up and down and across, like it, it really made it feel more exploratory, I guess. 
Um, also, the movements made by Laura were hand animated and coordinated instead of using motion capture. Um, they did this to create uniformity in her movement, um, which wasn't really an option with motion capture at the time. So to make everything like kind of line up with each other and look real, real good. Um, which I think they did a pretty good job. Well, considering the fact actually the motion capture for most of the moves Laura is able, or sorry, Lara is able Lara. to do in those games. Dear God, you'd have to be beyond an Olympic level gymnast at that point. It's just with how she's able to bounce <laughs> off every single wall and, oh, yeah, Jesus. it's, <laughs> it gets nuts. Um, like I, I remember playing the original, I think I played the first two games. I never finished them because I was real young, but I remember playing them on the PlayStation 1. Um, but especially this, the the newer games that have been continuing on, um, I think the first one came out in like 2013 or something of this new series. They're great. I've played a lot of them. I own a lot of them. I really enjoy them. Um but yeah, I, I have played these old ones. It just wasn't anything I can really remember. I remember like fighting tigers like on a snowy mountain and riding a snowmobile and stuff. Um, but I was real little. so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this game was so successful that not only did it save Eidos in Interactive from a bleak financial situation, but also um core design the studio behind it they decided uh they decided to develop a new tomb raider game every year um <laughs> which sounds like a terrible idea because it is they made it four years with that model before the staff was so burnt out and it really started to show um eventually resulting in the sixth game in the series called the angel of darkness uh it faced a lot of difficulties during development and was really just kind of a failure of a game um both commercially and just as like a, pl a playable game it really wasn't good um so this is when idos gave the development duties to um crystal dynamics instead of core design um who they are still developing the games to this day and uh Tomb Raider has obviously gone to develop um, film adaptations, comics, novels, you know, the works. Um, it's considered one of the pioneers of the action-adventure game genre. Um, while Laura Croft has become one of the most recognizable video game protagonists, um, as well as pioneering uh, female characters in video games, even though her sex appeal was like pretty much the entire marketing campaign, <laughs> as you can see by Albert's costume. Um, so Laura, it's kind of an interesting story about Laura Croft, because um, she kind of like blew up. Like there weren't really many female protagonists in games. Um, I mean, even at that point, I mean, because you said '94, right? Yeah, 94 is when it began development. Because even then, I mean, the whole concept that Samus was actually a woman, I mean, if you didn't beat the certain ending of the original Metroid, you Nobody never would have known that. Yeah. Known that. yeah um, it was kind of crazy how she blew up. And, I mean, like, women aren't really, really main protagonists. Protagonists in in games these days, um, of course, it's a lot more common. But back in the '90s, definitely uncommon. So it was really cool to kind of see that. Um, 
she was on the cover of a British culture magazine called The Face again, um, that same magazine, um, which they had only previously put on real life celebrities, like on the covers of their magazines. So like first video game character on their magazine. Um, she was also used in Irish rock band U2's Pop Mart tour, which was basically just mocking consumerism and pop culture, which is pretty ironic because it's U2. Like, U2 using fucking Tomb Raider. Yeah. To, t- to talk about pop culture yeah they had these um big screens on the stage like flashing images and and video clips and stuff from pop culture and like kind of poking fun at consumerism and stuff but it's like you you're youtube like in a few years from now you're gonna be forcing your albums onto every ipod ever purchased Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) i have an odd i've phone or i've got an ipod video from 2008 how the hell did i get their newest (laughs) album on here yep um, so Laura Croft was also inducted into the Walk of Game in 2006, and she's earned multiple mentions in the Guinness Book of World Records as the most successful human video game heroine. Uh, uh, hold on. Did you say the Walk of Game? Yes. It's like the Hall of Fame. Or the Walk of Fame as well. Yeah. Okay, where is this? I am not sure we can find out. Let's see. Because I'm sorry, if they have supposedly fake handprints of video game characters... Uh, <laughs> so it's not a thing anymore. Um, the Walk of Game was an attraction in the U- U.S. honoring the icons and pioneers of the video game industry created in 2005. She was featured in 2006. It was located inside the uh, the Sony Metreon which was an entertainment shopping center in San Francisco. Um, yeah, looks like it only lasted like two years, 2005 and 2006. Well, <laughs> congratulations. Which, okay, so the only people or the only um, game characters in the walk of game were Mario, Link, Sonic the Hedgehog, Master Chief, um starcraft lara croft final fantasy everquest um so yeah that's it so um kind of short-lived but she was indicted into the walk of game about as many people walked on the moon as were indicted into the walk of game (laughs) so you know what i'd call that an accomplishment uh yeah she was uh like i said earlier she was also mentioned in the guinness book of world records multiple times um once as the most successful human video game heroine and later in 2010 earned six more awards <laughs> to which the guinness editor gaz Dives said that the character epitomizes all that's great about video gaming i mean like think about it she's intelligent badass chick who's super tough um in contrast to other video game characters at the time like princess peach and stuff like nobody was was doing what tomb raider was doing so um obviously it became huge um it's a huge commercially viable video game series now and uh man i'm just so glad that that we grew up with idos interactive 
As someone who was a massive fan of the Thief series, yes. Eidos was kicking ass. And as he said earlier, this was the actual game that helped to put Eidos on the map through the 1990s, from 1994. Because they were fledgling at the time to think that, oh yes, they were able to recover, rebuild, and see us through straight to Daikaton. That is <laughs> all we could ever ask for. <sighs> and I'm... then there was Thief 4. I can only hope that that we can tell the full story of Diet Katana one of these days because it is uh, a doozy. <laughs> John John Romero's about to make you his bitch. <laughs> oh man! No, so no, no! That'd be like a, an actual like a uh, <laughs> an actual <laughs> Hell's Angels biker getting off his bike, walking towards you, tripping over his own boot heel. And then shitting his pants on impact with the ground <laughs> is what Daikatana did. Yeah, it, it did not end up great. But um yeah, and what'd you uh what'd you find out about the movie, Elmer? Oh lordy. So <laughs> oh boy. pretty much as soon as this game hit the shelves back in the mid nineties there. Well, I was going to say, depending upon uh, which release you got, either if you played it on the computer or if you played it on the consoles and stuff like that. Like you said, you played it on the consoles, correct? Yeah, I played it on PS1. Yep. I was a PC kid growing up for most of it. So, no, I grew up playing it on the actual PC, which is about late 96, early 97, which is when we got our hands on it. Um, <clears throat> pretty much since the game actually started beating blockbuster sales on every console there has been in one way or another a screenplay in the works trying to get this turned into a <laughs> film i mean since spielberg and lucas basically turned the idea of a globe trotting archaeologist hence what you're dressed as right now they put that concept on the map as being ways that you can just print money at that point everybody's in their Everybody's been trying to replicate that. May it have been canon with the um, Alan Quartermain movies. May it have been Disney when they tried to, their hand at the National Treasure films. Um, you know, <laughs> everybody like that. They thought to themselves, oh, easy to do. Guy running around old, junky-looking tombs looking for lost treasures. Bam, we got ourselves a movie. And then Tomb Raider. Motherfucking Tomb Raider, of all things, is what proves to be the acceptance of the rule. But then again, when you do have somebody who is jumping around doing, you know, Olympic level gymnastic moves with a pair of 36 double D's, I mean, come on. Oh, man. And that's that's one thing. I don't know if it's the strong point or the weak point of these movies is the the ridiculous action that happens in like every scene. <laughs> like there's that scene where she's. She's like suspended from a rope in her the ceiling of her mansion and she's like running along the walls like sideways, you know, and it's just so generic cliche, but like when I was a kid, man, that was so badass. We should mention we're both on the cusp of 30 at this point. <laughs> so no, when this movie came out 20 years ago, we were uh 10 years old actually. Yeah. Well, some of us on the cusp, some of us past the cusp. <laughs> yeah. It's not wrong. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> no, uh, 
anyway, so with this film, they had a bunch of different directors and writers going through there. Unfortunately, looking at the evidence of it, and this really hurts to say, every single version of the script involves some some amount of fan service sexuality to the character. Go figure. When it's like, okay, we understand the character was basically designed from the ground up to be a sexualized icon, but at the same time, you guys don't have to be that really blatant about it. Yeah. I mean, if you really think about it, if they would have made a movie that was in terms of, like, the same level of, like, archaeological action-y fun that were the Indiana Jones films, you know, and hell, actually have it be a female character, it probably would have been a lot of fun. But no, they decided, hey, let's sexualize her out the wing wing or out the ass, straight out the ass. Yeah, it's like through the entire movie. It's like she's, you know, always in a tank top and booty shorts. And sometimes she's coming out of a pool and sometimes she's taking a shower and sometimes she's, you know, it's funny never... enough. There's only one sequence in this that she's in booty shorts. Apparently, Jolie fought tooth and nail through the production of most of it going, I will not be in goddamn booty shorts through the entirety of this film. And as somebody who is currently wearing booty shorts right now, um, <laughs> all I'm going to say is, eh, I kind of understand it, but at the same time, I mean, it is still about 63 degrees here, and, I mean, I'm comfy. <laughs> Please don't do that. You might get us banned from Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, Twitch filters. My fly was zipped. I think. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I, and this was back when, when Jolie was, like, peak sexual icon, you know, like, peak popularity. I mean, this was right after Go, after her, I guess I should say, her, um, actual Academy Award winning turn on Go was. On top of that, kind of the interesting thing about this, um, so the guy who directed this, Simon West, is the person who gave us the masterpiece that is Con Air from 1997, <laughs> um, which I have always contended it was a secret Michael Bay film. Upon rewatch of this for the first time in about 10 years as well, I can concede, you know what? Maybe quite not as much Michael Bay as I originally saw. I could see a little bit more of the fun, somewhat uh, playfulness in this, more so than a Michael Bay film. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, much like a lot of these uh, early video game movies, um, it's like, you know, like a teenage boy's wet dream. I mean, Angelina Jolie in this does fight a bionicle in the very beginning of yeah. the game. Yeah, <laughs> the very first start of the movie, like right away, she's in the fight with this bionicle robot. Um, so it's just, I mean, this movie doesn't even take itself seriously, but in a way it kind of works. Yeah. It does work. I mean, it, I mean, every step of the way of this film is, it just seems like they're just pushing it. Maybe not quite edgelord territory, but enough that you're just like, wait, where is this edging towards? <laughs> yeah. And that's where I'm kind of having a hard time is because I know I was a fan of this when I was growing up. Um, and now rewatching it, uh, I'm not sure how to feel about it. It wasn't good, but it was also very nostalgic. And I 
you know, it was still, it was still, you know, the it's it's supposed to be the cool like badass late '90s movie, which it does well. Um, but yeah, it just didn't like hit like it did when I was a kid. Obviously, nothing really will, but. But then again, we both talked about this earlier, that this is probably the first film in this entire series that we've done that we both saw in theaters as kids. Yeah. Yep. This so, was a big movie at my house when I was a kid. So now imagine that. You have the nostalgia factor behind it of you eating, you know, um, cookie dough bites, sitting in the movie theater there, eating that while drinking a blueberry slushy or whatever the fuck they oh, call it over blue at raspberry. Yeah, The blue raspberry slushy. Fuck me up, son. <laughs> I can feel my pancreas really shutting down in anticipation <laughs> over that one. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, I loved this movie uh, when I was growing up. And I remember seeing the, the second and third movie in the series as well. But I don't remember them as much as this one, so. When, uh, third movie? Yeah, wasn't there three? Was there only two? Well, fuck me up, son. Uh, my bad. I thought there was three for some reason. Well, maybe that's just because I downloaded three. The third one just came out a few years back. Okay, yeah, uh, that's what it was. But at the same time, I could still understand the confusion because, I mean, dear God, we are in a lawless time when it comes to, you know, movie studios going, hey, let's just throw our IP to the wind and see what the fuck sticks. <laughs> well, especially like late 90s, early 2000s, it was like, we'll try anything, you know? Studios didn't care. Just, I want to make this movie so it's going to happen within two years, whether you like it or not. Batman <laughs> made us half a billion goddamn dollars. Let's see what else we can use for IP. Yep. So let's talk about the movie a bit. Um, <laughs> obviously, it starts out with a fight scene with a robot, uh, which is just like, I guess, her training. Uh, like I said before, she's part of a super rich family, um, but she's also very educated and smart and stuff, which, like, I don't really get. Like, if you're that rich, like, Go have fun, you know? Like, don't crawl Well, that's where they're having the fun, is stealing <laughs> that long tradition of imperialism. Well, they go to these other countries, <laughs> they show themselves as being friendly, and then they whip out high-powered firearms, and they go, I'm taking this now. Goodbye. <laughs> so, you know what? Tomb Raiding is entirely part of the blood of being a rich aristocrat from European society. I guess. But, like, the whole thing is, like, her and everyone she knows, like... And they run this big like spy gear operation type thing where everyone's trained in combat. Even the butler has guns at one point. And it's just like ridiculous action. Um, something about Illuminati and stuff. Like nothing really happens. Like a lot of stuff is happening like during the first like three quarters of the movie. But it's just kind of all pointlessly building up to like the the big scene where they get into the tomb, they find the mystical treasure and, and whatever. So the the middle of the moving the middle of the movie while having important story details is really the worst part. Um, but eventually, I mean, like 
it's this whole thing with the Illuminati being involved and stuff. And uh, I mean, there's shirtless Daniel Craig. Shirtless so. and pantless. There is that. So no complaints there. On top of that, um, I guess I should mention where we talked about in the beginning of it, you get to see just sort of the lavish lifestyle that Lara Croft uh, actually lives. Uh, her butler is played by Christopher Barry of Red Dwarf fame. You know, good old Arnold Rimmer being the full stick up the ass of society that everybody loves as a satire. And uh, then of all people playing the technical nerd at her compound is uh, Dexter Fletcher. From Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels fame, as well as Doom, uh, later episode. Uh, Pinky from that one. And uh, for everybody at home keeping score, Dexter Fletcher is now a two-time Academy Award winner for the both films as the ghost director of Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, without the likes of Brian Singer, as well as Rocket Man with uh, Taron Edgerton uh, playing Elton John, which you're just like, wait, this movie stars a two-time <laughs> Academy Award winner? guess so um but yeah this movie i mean at the end was kind of fun again but it's it's where it got ridiculous um which i mean it did have a lot of good good actors and stuff so it was it was really trying to be good but it just uh i don't know it got close i guess no this movie did not try to be good at any point this movie decided to go you know those Indiana Jones films, how, you know, it only gets supernatural in, like, the last three quarters to, like, you know, nine-tenths of it? No, no, no. We're going to go supernatural about <laughs> halfway through with it. Great yeah. idea, right? Yeah, right. I mean, the the whole movie, it's, like, time travel and the Illuminati and, like, world power and, like, this whole thing. Uh, More or less, it's, like, History Channel after about 10 o'clock <laughs> on a Saturday yeah. night. When they take an old picture like from 150 years ago and they just draw a UFO in the corner and they go, look, it's proof of aliens. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, there was like time travel and a bunch of stuff like the end of the movie was, I think, the most ridiculous where. Uh, like she jumped, to, jumps into some vortex and God, no, what was it? She th threw something into some vortex and it like helped her like freeze time and she was able to grab like a knife that was being thrown in midair and like turn it to hit someone else instead and like just troll physics yeah because this is how time and, and physics work i'm gonna stop uh daniel james bond craig from being stabbed by turning the knife around thrown by ian dude from game of thrones glenn and just be <laughs> like you know what let's see what happens although just think had they reversed those two roles can you imagine that Ian Glenn guy playing James Bond and then Daniel Craig being in Game of Thrones? But then again, I don't think he's, uh, seen, he's seen in a single episode of Game of Thrones. Yeah, I've seen the first two episodes of Game of Thrones. Ah, I've only seen the first four episodes, so you know what? Uh, <laughs> We're on the same track right there. Yeah, uh, I can see why people like it, but personally, sorry, everyone. Uh, not a show for me. Neither me, so. All right. Um, but yeah, so the movie kind of just ends with no real, I mean, like, yeah, they get the treasure, whatever, they save their friend, whoopee, end of the movie. It really just ends pretty abruptly. Yeah, no, I mean, that's kind of the one thing uh, with having Simon West on this. Um, I'm kind of glad we decided that, you know what, let's just talk about the movie itself. 
in the sense that it has nothing to do with any of the games or anything like that. Because yeah. in all honesty, you know, I, I've joked for years that Simon West, who his most famous movie he probably directed was Con Air, which is a <laughs> favorite of mine. And that movie feels like it was actually made by Michael Bay, and then they just slapped Simon West's name on top of it, so that way, you know, Bay was out of, like, a DGA contract or something like that. Uh, but, <clears throat> no, it, uh, yeah, no, this movie is mostly kind of forgettable, I hate to say. Yeah, it, it, as, as much as I watched these movies when I was a kid, I thought I would remember more of it. I didn't really remember any of it, and um, I. It's yeah, it's not. It's not a uh, a movie that be. I mean, I'm sure it's someone's favorite movie, but you know it. Everybody, every film special. is someone's first movie, and every movie movie is also somebody's favorite movie. I hate <laughs> to say it. So yeah, it's it's nothing special though. It. Uh, I, you know, the production of the movie is more a little more interesting than the actual film itself. Um, while going through development hell and stuff like that, uh, one of the producers who got picked up on it was Angelina Jolie, actually, just because she kind of enjoyed the idea of like a strong heroic character like that, and just because her name started to have a little bit more clout going along. And it uh, actually wasn't until later in the production that, or I should say, once they started getting a script put into place that uh, Jolie realized, you know, maybe I would make a good character for this. Yeah. And uh, she decided, you know what, maybe let's get into this. She actually did go through a large acrobatic as well as yoga-based uh, actual training schedule for this along with that she did weightlifting and training as well as uh getting associated with weapons and stuff like that via the sas which they make a reference to that during the production during the film itself but uh that pales in comparison to the fact that the product that the film production company were greatly disturbed at the fact that angelina jolie is only a 36c <laughs> and not the full-on 36 double d of the original character uh and because of which they met in the middle contractually that uh they'd only pat her bra out to a 36d so that way she fit more of the bill of the character and it's just like you see this is this levy this is why i stopped working in film <laughs> Isn't it sad that they went through all this work, they had to do all this training for the movie to just still end up this. as, yeah, <laughs> this this super cliche, like, not very well choreographed action movie. I think it's even sadder to think that then, uh, what, uh, 15, 16 years later, they released the, the uh, reboot to it. With uh, Alicia Vikander, who is about as flat as I am. <laughs> well, yeah, they did. They did reduce her breast size um, for the new games. No, no, no. I'm talking about. No, I'm just saying though. Is that okay? Yeah, I'll know what I'm saying at this point. Yeah. So. Yeah, but um, yeah, the new movie, the new Tomb Raider, uh, is one I haven't seen. But neither have I. So uh, we're on the same page. So we we've got two more Tomb Raiders <laughs> to go. Yeah, I don't know if I want to watch the second one. Um, we might have to it's watch. Than this, <laughs> we might have to watch the. Well, I've seen the second one, just not in a very long time. We might have to watch the new one before we can do that one, uh, because I haven't seen it and I've heard kind of good things. So, 
I'm going to apologize now. We might have to make a quick pause in the actual episode. I got to run and pee. Uh, okay. All right. Oh, sorry, camera people. <laughs> it's all right. All right. Here we go. Elmer's back. Sorry about that, guys. And for the uh, break that will probably be in the audio recording version of the episode, ah, my apologies for the <laughs> good quarter second of actual silence on there as I ran to go potty. So. Uh, no worries. No worries. We'll edit it out. Um, so yeah, well, the movie was okay, I guess, you know. Now here's a question for you, because one of the top contenders to actually play the character of Lara Croft, because originally, uh, Jolie only wanted to be a producer. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, I mean, they're willing to pad Angelina Jolie for that. <laughs> Which somehow they still got her nipping the entire time. We were perplexed the entire time. <laughs> I mean, as much as the characters were trying to solve the puzzle at the end of the world or whatever the fuck was going on in this, we were going, how is she still nipping? <laughs> but uh, no, originally one of the first choices for the character of Lara Croft was supposed to be Liv Tyler. Oh, I could see that. However, here's the thing, though. What nationality is Lara Croft? British. What is the one accent Liv Tyler is notorious for not being able to do? <laughs> well, as we'll find out in Lord of the Rings, not too long after this movie. The same year as this movie. <laughs> yeah. Now, let's put it this way. I love Liv Tyler. I really do. Do you know what's one thing that I don't love? Her accent. <laughs> In all of the Lord of the Rings film. Yeah. And now while people can get mad at us for saying this, keep this in mind. What are the two things you don't remember from the Lord of the Rings? Number one is you don't remember your love for Viggo Mortensen's accent as Aragorn in the Lord of the Rings. Two, you don't remember how much you love Liv Taylor's accent as Erwin in the Lord <laughs> of the Rings. So... You know what? No. Look, I, I do love Liv Tyler, but no, I couldn't see her doing this. I hate to say it. That's okay. I couldn't either, but it, I mean, it makes sense. With with casting Angelina Jolie, it makes sense what kind of... What they were going for. Yeah, what they were going for. Um, So, the, normally, I don't like to read anything on this show. I like to just kind of go off the... You know, top of the noggin Which, sort of thing. You're a lot better at that than I am, sir. That's for sure. However, I have to read this because this is just a thing of beauty. Oh, boy. Um, so this is via IMDb. And this is, uh, well, uh, you can hear the quote and you can kind of read for it what you'd like to read for it. According to Tomb Raider, uh, to the... I want to throw in my own actual grammatical corrections in this because Jesus Christ, these people... Would probably fail out of game of Scrabble <laughs> at this point. Uh, according to the Tomb Raider chapter in the book uh, Tales from Development Hell, the greatest movies never made by David Hughes, Simon West, director's cut of the film was 130 minutes long. Oh my god. But due to some problems they had with him during trouble, uh, a troubled production of the film, Paramount removed West from the film when it entered the post-production phase and they brought in expert editor Stuart Baird, famous 
famous for fixing up movies oh, if God. studios and producers weren't happy with them to recut the entire film down to 80 minutes. Everything I just said up until then, I finally had a goddamn period. So I promise <laughs> this isn't me reading this. This is just me reading whatever the hell this guy typed. Uh, <clears throat> despite him not being involved in editing the final cut... Uh, final cut of the film, Wes did return to direct some reshoots. <laughs> Due to all this, uh, post-production was rushed so much that reportedly some of the major effect shots were left incomplete by the time the movie was released in theaters. I can see that. <laughs> Michael Kamen's director score from Director's Cut was also replaced with new score by... Graham Ravel, and he had to compose 60 minutes of music inside only 10 days. Jeez. Ravel was actually producer's original choice for composer, and behind and before him and came in, Greg Hale Jones was working on score, and Danny Elfman composed opening cue. However, cue was unused, and Jones was left go after he already did 40 minutes. Of score, which was all. Anyway, you guys. I'm get... about to have a stroke, dude. I'm about to have a fucking stroke. <laughs> hey, I'm just reading what the hell that motherfucker wrote on IMDb. I'm just saying, is though to think that this movie is originally two hours and ten minutes long. I can kind of see it. Still not as long as the new Matrix. Don't get me started. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. Uh, but yeah, that's crazy, man. Uh... <laughs> Let's just hack the movie to pieces and let the director sit in the back burner and go, hang. They're like, you've done enough, sir. <laughs> we'll fix it from here. But well, yeah, thank God this isn't over two hours long. I would I would do things <laughs> to make sure I could never see this movie again. You'd Pee Wee Herman in the theater? <laughs> I wouldn't do that, no. I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's pretty neat. Is that uh, is that the last of your... Pretty much you can ask about just anything else. May it have been Angelina Jolie's weapons training. May it have been the fact that Daniel Craig to this day is just like, no, that is like the worst movie I've ever been in. And I was in the goddamn golden compass <laughs> oh, of God. first aborted attempts. Don't get me started on that brain wreck. I hate that movie so much. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's gonna do it for Tomb Raider. Um, before we go, I, you know, plugging the show is kind of the most awkward part. But for all you audio listeners, um, it would really help us out if you found us on YouTube, which. We don't have enough yet to get our own URL, so if you just go to anchor.fm slash game dash link, you can find the link to our YouTube there. Any um, subscriptions or follows there, anything will definitely help us out. Um, you can also find out where else to listen to us um, for audio versions. We're on pretty much everything. Um, and then if you want to ask us questions, um, you can email us, thegamelinkpod at gmail.com. Or, um, you know, come to the live stream streams. Um, we normally try to start at 5 p.m. Central on Sundays, but I think we're going to be changing that time to 6, most likely, from now on. 
Um, we'll send you an update, but um, yeah, twitch.tv slash Libby on Sundays. We're live. Uh, and then, yeah, you can also um, ask us questions on Patreon, patreon.com slash gamelink. Um, we definitely want to hear from you and, and have some more engaging Q&As. So uh, if you're interested, we would really appreciate that. And once any of you on Patreon unlock the $100 level, that's when we're going to break out the uh, GameLink OnlyFans page. Just keep that in mind for the future. And, uh, yeah, then you can drink even more of this in uh, once we get into that. See, stage. this is the dangerous part. We don't have a $100 tier, but if we Yet. if we did, like, sarcastically make one to create an OnlyFans as a joke, of course, eventually it would have to become a reality, which I'm just not prepared for. <laughs> Thanks, Elmer. Uh, well, on that note, we're going to end the podcast. We'll be doing our Q&A. So um, we still have to decide what to do next time on the game link. But uh, we'll let that be a surprise for you audio listeners. So on that note, uh, have a great week, everyone. We'll We'll see you later. So long, folks, and uh, no, definitely check us out on YouTube, and also check out our friends over at Thor's Hour of Thunder, oh, and yeah. uh, no, y- y'all have a great week, stay safe, stay sexy, and we'll think about something great for, I don't know, gaminess next week. <laughs> All right. Pace the gaminess. <laughs> God. Adios, everyone. <laughs>